Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 156 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Josh Todd from Buck Cherry, I want to remind you about everything you can find online at mistresscarrie.com. You'll find every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast including all the sit reps and bonus episodes. And you'll find every episode of my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. You can also check out my concert calendar, my photo gallery, the blog, the official Mistress Carrie bio, the links to find the Mistress Carrie show on the radio, and you can shop in the official online store. Find all that and more at mistresscarry.com. My guest this week, Josh Todd from Buckcherry, first appeared on the Mistress Carrie podcast way back on episode 22. At that point, the band had just completed their ninth studio album in Nashville. And now, once again, Buckcherry has emerged from the studio in Nashville with their new album, Volume 10, set for release this Friday, June 2nd. So I sat back down with Josh Todd to talk about the process of writing and recording their new album, the band being able to get back out on the road after COVID. We talked about music technology and recording in Nashville, his famous vocal warm-ups and singing in the shower. Josh Todd and I talked about the brilliance of Brian Adams' songwriting and the debate about the music industry releasing singles versus albums. We also discussed vinyl and cassettes making a resurgence in music and his love of tattoos and what it's like to be a dad. If you're looking for Josh Todd online, you can find his links and all the Buckcherry links in the show notes of this episode. You'll also find the link to this week's corresponding playlist that's filled with all of Josh Todd and Buckcherry's music and all the other artists and songs that we referenced in the interview. So allow me to reintroduce you to Josh Todd from Buckcherry. All right. Mr. Josh Todd. It's so good to What's see happening? you. Yeah, nice to see you. Uh, just uh, chilling here at home for a second and uh, beautiful day in Southern California. How are you? How's I, your... Uh, I'm good. How's the gig? Everything good? Things are really, really good. I had to look it up. The last time you and I talked, basically the whole world had gone insane. And yeah, yeah. you were on episode 22 of the Mistress Carrie podcast which was uh, released November 4th of 2020. Wow. And a lot has changed since then. 
Um, yeah. For you, when we talked, you were in Nashville rec- recording your last album. Yeah, Hellbound. Now you're getting ready to release Volume 10. Yes. And for me, I hadn't even gotten on the radio again yet. And now I'm on like 40 radio stations around the country. The podcast Let's is go. crazy. Like, things are okay. Last time we talked, yeah, we you, were yeah, both like you were just sub- start. You were just starting back at it. Like, yeah. Uh, from what I understand, the last time. Yeah. That's really great. And you deserve it. You Thanks. got a long history in the game. And that's the way it should be. We were both like having a support group meeting for each other, like in the height of COVID the last time we talked, like things were a little rough. Yeah, you know, but I mean, that's such as life. There's peaks and valleys and you got to just keep working hard through that stuff. You know, that's when you get to the good stuff. You're at home right now. You get a little downtime before the record comes out. Yeah, I mean, we've been already touring. We did a we did a month with Skid Row, and those shows were really successful. So we booked two more uh, legs with them, and um, a lot of sold out shows. And then we came back home, and and then we went back out for about three weeks and did our own stuff. And now we just we had a three week break, and I get back at it in about a week and a half, and then we start heavily touring because uh, Volume Ten drops June second. Which can we talk about June second for a second? Because um, sure. It is a massive day. I think it's the busiest day for rock and roll of the entire year. And you guys are smack dab in the middle of it. (laughs) June 2nd is the day to go to the record store. It is the day to get new music because not only is Buck Cherry coming out, Winger's got a record coming out. Rival Sons (laughs) have a record coming out. Avenged Sevenfold's got a record out. Jelly Roll's got a record out. And the Foo Fighters got a record out all the same day. So everybody needs to save their money because That's June second is the day. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're doing really good. We're uh, already have more pre-sold uh, right now than we did for Hellbound at this point in time. So very grateful. I'm just you know we're just happy uh, to be in the game all these years. You know, 24 years, 10 records is pretty uh, cool. There are bands that have been in the game longer with fewer albums. You guys have always been one of those bands that just finds a way to tour, come off the road, take a nap and then get in the studio and work on new music. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're actually, we're actually ahead of the game on that. You know, we are like, we start writing for a new record about halfway through the previous record record cycle. So if that's what we started doing for um, Hellbound, you know, we had, we'd already done about a year of touring on Hellbound and then we're like, okay, we got to start thinking about, you know, the next phase. And so then Stevie and I would start writing songs here and there in the little holes, the little breaks we had from the Hellbound tour. And then we went and had a massive songwriting uh, session in Nashville with Marty and we had, uh, we had the goods, you know, I mean, I like doing it like that. So there's not a lot of pressure like going, okay, we're off the road. Now you guys got to think about making another record. And I like to get ahead of it so you can just start kind of putting stuff in the bank, you know, putting songs in the bank. Last time we talked, we spent some time talking about your producer, Marty Fredrickson, and I had never met him. Since you were on the show last, I actually went to Nashville. I toured Sienna Studios and got a chance to meet oh, cool. Marty and he's agreed to come on the show. So Great. now I'll be able to talk to him about all the things you've told me about him. Super nice guy, really down to earth yeah. and like 
unassuming. Yeah. You'd never know kind of what a musical genius he is if you bumped into him in the produce aisle of Whole Foods. Yes, and the great ones are always like that, it seems like, you know, um, across the board, not only in music, but, you know, he, he doesn't have to be much. He already knows that he's got, you know, what it takes, you know, and that's that's uh, that's what's great about Marty, you know. He's... Um, He's uh, a lot of fun to work with for us, you know? I mean, it's not always that way, you know? You don't always go in and write songs with somebody and it, like, just clicks, you know? And um, it always clicked with him, and that's why we keep going back. And, you know, we always learn when we're with him, and I think he uh, really enjoys it as, as well, you know? And he brings the best out in us, for sure. And it's it's a pretty important thing to be comfortable in an environment, right? When you're creating stuff, it's like you want to kind of feel like you're at home, but obviously not be home and not have the distractions. And that studio yes. is really cool. I got a tour. We have a mutual friend, Jay Sims, the manager. Yeah, He's- I just I just texted with Jay today. He and I, we go fishing a lot. When I'm there, we go fishing, just he and I, and we... You know, I, to get along with a singer for me is like really cool because not many singers hang out, you know, and so uh, he's a really sweet guy and a great singer too, you know, on top of everything else he does. Well, Jay and I have known each other a long time and oh, cool. I don't know if you met his wife, but his band Rubicon is basically a Boston band. And yeah. way back in the day, let me give you a little insight so you can talk to Jay about this when you're fishing. <laughs> Way back in the day, Jay came to AAF to bring me a demo from the band, and I kept him waiting, which you are a very prompt guy. You do not, you're always on time, but I was running late, and while I was in my office on this phone call, keeping Jay waiting in the lobby, he was hitting on the AAF receptionist, who's his (laughs) wife now? Oh, that's great. That's how Jay uh... and his wife met. I kept him waiting, and he hit on the receptionist. Look at that. That's really great. I don't think I have met her. Maybe I have briefly, but I'm not, it doesn't ring a bell right now. But uh, yeah, he he talks highly of her and his family. And I've been meaning to get over to his house, you know, because he's got, you know, a lake right there. And, you know, I just haven't been able to get over there. Last time I was in Nashville, I went over there and we had brunch. And uh, it's very weird to be around people that you know in one specific place in a completely foreign environment, like walking around Nashville with Jay when I know him from being in Boston was strange, but I had never yeah. been to Nashville and now I kind of get why all the rock stars are going there to make albums. It's a very cool city. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, uh, there's a lot of music there, you know, as far as you go, you can go anywhere and see some live music, which is great, you know. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a melting pot now for, uh, for songwriters and and musicians now yeah they're all kind of they go there but you know everybody's spread out everywhere because of technology you don't have to just be in one city but yeah a lot i think a lot of songwriters went there from la back in the day when it kind of dried up there you know as far as that was concerned and everybody kind of went to nashville for country and now rock and everything is there you know every once in a while do your like ears tingle because you come up on my show a lot. When you were on the show the first (laughs) time, we had a pretty in-depth conversation about taking care of your voice because of all the singers I I know, you're one of the strictest when it comes to your vocal cords. And Mm -hmm. I need to learn some of these tricks because I get laryngitis all the time, especially doing so many radio shows and all the stuff that I'm doing now. 
And right. recently I had a great conversation with Chris Daughtry and we were talking about, because he covered Journey, and we were talking yeah. about Steve Perry and all that. And I was like, you know what? Josh Todd. And we talked about the sipping water thing and not drinking on stage. So if you get a call from Daughtry to talk to you about that stuff, it's because we were talking about you. Yeah, you know, he's a lovely guy and really talented guy. And uh, he actually, he also works with Marty. So we uh, it's kind of a small world. And every time I run into him, we're very friendly together, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I'd love to I'd love to hear from him and hear all his, uh, you know, what works for him. You know, singers are always wanting to find out more, you know, maybe they can incorporate something else that's going to help, you know, and, and, and that's all I like to do. You know, I, I'm, I'm really, I really uh, study a uh, vocal technique and warming up and warming down because, you know, that that's, that's my livelihood. And I, you know, I do a lot of shows and I'm getting older and, you know, it's very important. Well, you're going to have to teach me some tricks. I'm not a singer as you're very well aware, but I right. talk so much now that right. I'm noticing that my voice is getting beaten up a lot more than it used to. Yeah. Do you warm up before you tar talk? Do you do any kind of vocalizing before you? Yeah. So you probably just need to just get some basic vocal scales and, um, you know, maybe just try to warm up like maybe 10 minutes before you go on air and then, you know, make sure you don't drink any cold beverages while you're doing it and um, stuff like that, you know, lots of, Lots of water, no, uh, don't eat foods that give you acid reflux, don't eat late at night, you know, stuff like that. Well, I appreciate the tips because I got to do something because it's, uh, it's getting deeper and raspier and pretty soon you're not going to, only <laughs> whales will be able to understand me. You know what, too, it could be how you're hearing your voice because I remember listening, I listen to Howard Stern a lot, I'm a big fan, and I remember hearing him talk about the early days of his career and what he did to adjust later. And I think he used to get vocal fatigue from uh, doing his shows and he did something with the EQ and how he hears his voice so that he doesn't have to hit the mic very hard to hear it. So that cuts down on um, vocal fatigue too. Huh? Yeah, I definitely yep. got to do something. I went back and listened to like a lot of old interviews. I've been getting very sentimental and been going back in the Mistress Carrie archives. And I right. sound like Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks. When you and I <laughs> met, my voice was like two octaves higher than it is now. It's insane uh, what's happened yeah. to both of our voices as we've gotten older. Yeah, it changes. You, you know, I, I tell singers all the time, you don't work less when you get older. You got to work more because, you know... You want to keep, you know, working that uh, muscle, keep making sure that you're always where you need to be so you have less fatigue. I want to talk to you about songwriting because it's something that's evolved on the show a lot. When, when you were on the show the first time, we were kind of in the throes of COVID and everybody was just trying to react to this new thing. But one of the themes of the show that's really come out, because again, you know I'm not a singer and a songwriter, is really getting into the technique and the songwriting process with all of my guests. And I've mm -hmm. heard some of the most fascinating stories. So first of all, right. because you guys are getting ready to release your 10th album, which is insane, when you talk about Thank sitting you. down with Stevie in the middle of a tour, do you have a book of lyrics is it a riff first? Is it a melody you're singing in your head? How does the process start for you guys? 
Well, first of all, you got to kind of trust who you're writing with, you know, and uh, and that only comes from, you know, writing a few songs and seeing how you guys jive, you know. And so we developed that, Stevie and I, over the years. I've known Stevie since I was 19. So anyways, he can I can say something to him and he understands me, which is really great. You know, I can just say, hey, man, we got to start the songwriting. So let's just do this. This is what I'm feeling. Give me like an ACDC song to start. Let's just try something like that. He's like, okay. And he'll write like a four on the floor ACDC riff, right? And he gives it to me. And I just start on words and melodies by myself. I don't I don't like anybody around when I write, you know. And I just do my thing. And then we we get in the studio and he programs some drums and throws some bass on it. And we start beating the song together until it's it's sufficient and good enough to like, okay, lay that demo down. We set that aside and so on, you know. And then you kind of I just give him like ideas and he doesn't like write exactly, but he, you just give him like some kind of uh, inspiration, you know, from a past artist to write from, you know, Hey, I want to, I want a Led Zeppelin feel on this next one. I want a greasy signature guitar riff, you know? Okay. And he's great with that. He's a very talented guy, you know? So songs can start like that, or I can be singing in the shower and I come up with this great melody and I get out and I, I rip it out on my uh, iPhone. Then I go down and I write lyrics and melodies, like the song Rain on the Josh Shaw and the Conflict record. Wrote the whole thing. And I sang it a cappella to Stevie. And I go, come up with some music. This is it. And he's like, this is great. You know, while we just come up with a, uh, uh, I'll just find a click, a, you know, a, uh, how fast I want the song, like a metronome time, you know, and I'll sing it down. And then he'll put music to it. Stuff like that. It happens all different kinds of ways. What is it about the shower? I get a lot of really good ideas in the shower too. Is it yeah. is it the acoustics? Is it the calmness of the falling no, I, water? What I is think it? I, I think it's something about uh, the water, and you just um, you just start becoming open mentally. It's it's like the only. I think people go into the shower and they're they're everything in life is gone, and they go in there, and that's where they can just like let everything out, right? And then things come when you do that, when you just release life, you know what I mean? And um, I think maybe that's it. I don't know. It's weird. It's one of the only places you can get away from your phone too, I guess. Yeah. And plus the acoustics in there are great for singing, you know. You talk about trust of of writing with somebody that you've worked with since you were 19. It's got to have a certain amount of, you can't get embarrassed, right? Because if you're going to create something it's not so much the good ideas you're going to come back from, but kind of all the bad ideas you have to mine through. Yes. And you got to trust yeah. that, that you're not going to kind of be made fun of and judged for the bad ideas. Exactly. You got to be able to be vulnerable because that's the only way uh, you can come up with really great stuff. And, um, and it goes both ways. You know, he's thinking the same thing that I'm thinking, you know, as far as, as that is concerned, you know, and uh, yeah, that that's where the, the trust comes in. Plus there's a songwriting language and, and, you know, sometimes you're just not going to jive with somebody who's just as talented as you. They're just, it's just not a good fit, you know, and that's okay. You know? Um, but when we went in with Marty, uh, for the first time, when we, Marty goes all the way back to 15 record, we co-wrote sorry, sorry together. He was just, uh, really understood Buck Sherry and, and really worked off everybody's strengths and brought that out in us. And, um, you know, I like to say he's a six band member every time we get together, you know, because that's what it feels like. He just fits right in and we just get to work, you know, and it's always 
we always have the same feeling as far as uh, we do what's best for the song and that's it. One of the questions that I have to ask everybody now that kind of grew out of the show since you were here last is what I call my songwriting question. So when you're a Mm. music lover like you and I are, you know, as soon as you say like, oh, I wanted to have a Led Zeppelin vibe or an ACDC kind of thing, like music people, that's the language we talk, even people that can't write it like me. But Mm. songwriters, you listen to music differently that mm-hmm. for for somebody that just enjoys music, it kind of just washes over me, but you can recognize the brilliance in things that a regular music fan might not understand. And so I always ask songwriters, it's not a favorite song, favorite band, favorite album kind of thing. Can you give me an example of a song that you think is so perfectly crafted that you wish you wrote it? Like, give me a song yes. that you go... Brilliant example of songwriting, but then break it down for me craft-wise and explain why you think it's so brilliant. I got a lot of those songs, but one of those songs is on this record, and it's called Summer of 69 by Brian Brian Adams. And I've been a fan of that song since I was a kid. It's, uh, it's one of those songs that's just undeniable. There's no flaw in it as far as I'm concerned, you know, um, from beginning to end. And it tells this story, right? And... Um, it really uh, is a song that kind of describes summer from beginning to end. That's the feeling I get from it. That you know, and summer is an amazing time of the year, right? And that's when so many things happen, especially in your youth. And um, what he describes in this song is, you know, being in a band and breaking up with the band and the girl and all the things that go on and can, that can go on in a complete uh, summertime feel, you know, and. Uh, I always love that. And he, and he talks about uh, standing on your mama's porch, you know, just stuff like that. You know, when you've had those moments with uh, a crush when you were a kid and you go over to her house and you guys find a place where you can make out or nobody's around and stuff like that. I mean, those things like it's really amazing, you know, and uh, he talks about being young and restless in that song and and all those things I identify with, you know, and um so that's that's a song I wish I would have wrote. And so we do it our way. We we sped it up just a little bit and put our buckcherry flavor on it. And it's really great. It's the last song on the record. People are really digging it. There's something about when you're going to do a cover song. There's kind of two schools in it, right? Where you're going to some people want to do it as true to the original. And then there's other people that want to just completely change it and rearrange it. It right. sounds like you kept it pretty true to the original vibe. It's just a little sped up and a little, a little more Buck Cherry. Yeah, it's just a little more hard rocking, and you know, it's a great song. You can slow it down or speed it up, and it's still going to be great. You know, so that's what's amazing about a lot of Brian Adams songs. You know, um, yeah, it, it's just a lot of fun. He's a guy that has got so many songwriting credits that the guy like doesn't have to get out of bed. <laughs> he can just he doesn't but his- he's still he's still writing songs he's still going out and performing and he you know it's more than that it's a labor of love you know well it's got to be something and and you can attest to this like i know during the pandemic you became a phlebotomist you and i talked all about that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and and a lot while of people you, bring that up <laughs> and while you love the challenge and stuff you're kind of born to do what you're doing now like age yeah the size of the crowd, like none of that really matters. If you love what you do, you just want to do it. Yeah. I, you know, 
I like to be busy, you know, but I mean, as far as performing and music, it's still, it's still as interesting and cool and exciting for me as it was when I was, you know, 15. So I keep doing it. There's a lot of conversation going on in the music business right now. A lot of bands are talking about maybe they don't want the pressure of creating full albums moving forward in their careers, that they're talking about maybe releasing singles with the new digital models and all of that. How do you feel moving forward for Buck Cherry? Are you still going to stay true to the album release way of doing things? Or do you kind of look into the future for Buck Cherry as maybe releasing singles instead? I mean, I don't, I don't care how everybody wants to do it. We can, we'll rise to the occasion, whatever it is. I mean, I have no problems making records. I love making records. As you know, we, we make records pretty consistently. So, um, I don't know what that's all about. I mean, you know, if that's what people want to do, uh, so be it, you know, but, um, we'll see, see what everything brings. Is volume 10 coming out on purple vinyl for me? Maybe. I don't know if it's purple, but we got a lot of different colors and, um, yeah, you can just go to buckcherry.com and earacherecords.com and, and check out all the stuff. You know, we got like some really great vinyl. What about the cassettes? The fact that oh, those cassettes. are back. Can we talk about why people want to listen to music on cassettes? Do you do you have this sentimental thing about them? So I, I feel like the listen. people that were there the first time are all set. I hate to be... I don't care about CDs, cassettes, or vinyl, to tell you the truth. I don't want to, like, acquire more shit to, like, stock and put, <laughs> put places, you know? That's just me. I understand why people like vinyl and all that. I like to hold the vinyl and look at a vinyl, but I'm not going to go out and buy a bunch of vinyl and get crates and find a room and stack a bunch of vinyl. I'm just not going to do it. I, I, I love just getting stuff digitally and having it on my phone whenever I need it, you know? So, um I don't know, cassettes, I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> I just feel like if you suffered the pain in the 80s of having your favorite cassette get eaten by your tape deck, yeah. that once they were gone, I never in a million years ever thought that that zombie yeah. would come out of the grave. Yeah, and they always stretch out and slow down, and it's, it's like, I don't know, I don't get it, but whatever. I We haven't seen any cassettes for us, like, that hasn't come up yet, so... What cassette do you think you owned the most of? Like, what did you wear out the most? What album have you probably bought more copies of than any other album? Oh, definitely ACDC's Back in Black, for sure. Yeah, that was like, a, that was a huge turning point for me because I never listened to real, like, big rock records, you know. Um, that's what people always miss with Buck Cherry. They think I'm like this big 80s rock guy, and I'm not, you know, I like... In the 80s, I was listening to independent punk rock records, you know, and then it wasn't until I was 17 that I heard my first major label like rock record, you know, and then I got into ACDC was the Back in Black was the record that opened up my my mind to like, you know, get into more bigger type rock records like, you know, Led Zeppelin and Metallica and stuff like that, you know. It's amazing with all of the people that I talk to, which when I, when I was only on the radio before, I couldn't have these in-depth conversations unless we were hanging around backstage at a show and then we would right. just shoot the shit about whatever. But it's yeah. unbelievable to me with all the bands that I talk to now, the different phases of music. One thing is 
obviously rock and roll would not be the same without the Beatles. But I cannot count the number of artists that list Back in Black as being a seminal moment. Just recently, Clint Lowry from Seven Dust, Des Fafara from Cold Chamber and Devil Driver, talking right. at length about the impact that that album had on their musical growth, their inspiration to become a musician, all of it. Yeah, it's the best hard rock record ever written. You know, it's it's timeless. It's uh, everything about it is perfect. You know, you don't you don't come across records like that that very often. You know, so um, yeah, for sure, I understand why they're all saying that. Uh, I've known you so long now that when I had to kind of go back through my archives, there was a lot more of you that you could see back when you and I met than there is now, and the mindset around <laughs> tattoos has changed significantly since you and I met way back in the day. Yeah. Do you have any room left? Do you have tattoos you wish that you could get rid of? Or what's next with the tattoos? Because you're, you're running out of room. Right. Um, no, you know, uh, the tattoos, are, it's like a timeline for me. You know, I always wanted to be body suited at one point, you know. Um, I love that. Uh so, um, it's just my business suit. That's what I call it, you know? And so, um, yeah, I, I worked on my legs recently. I just don't enjoy getting tattooed. Like I, you know, I never enjoyed it, but like the older you get, it's just, you know, the pain. It's just like, ah, I don't want to go in and get, you know, I've, I've spent so many hours under the gun. You know, the thought of going to get tattooed is like, uh, I, the thought of having the tattoo is great, but going and getting it, I, you know, I just have no desire at this point, you know, but, um, I'm saving some some parts of my body in case one of my three kids ever want to have, you know, get tattooed. I'll go in with them and we can do something like that. That would be fun, you know, but you never know. Um, at some point, I'm going to fill up my legs, you know, and we'll see. Speaking of the kids, um, you married a model and now you have a model daughter. How, how are <laughs> she's you working on it? She's working on it. How are you handling this transition from having cute little adorable kids you could roll around on the floor with to having adult children that don't have to do what you say anymore? Like, how is that process? Right. And I ask because I'm the stepmom now to two teenagers. So I'm looking for a little right. guidance from Josh Todd here. Yeah, I think, you know, most importantly, and especially in your shoes, because they're not your biological children, you know, it's just to be a, an open vessel, you know, a, a place that they can feel safe and come to and be able to talk to you about anything, you know, without you judging them or talking down or saying something, you know, that's what's really important, you know, um, I think, you know, and parenting, you know, and hey, you know what, none of us do it perfect and, and all of that, you know, but, uh, I, I just like to have open dialogue with all my kids, you know, and talk about everything. And because of that, they don't feel like they can't come to myself or my wife uh, and talk about anything, you know, anything under the sun, drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever, you know, uh, bullying, anything that they're feeling, you know, depression, any of that kind of stuff. Did your relationship with them change being able to be home so much because of COVID? Because that seems to be something that a lot of musicians kind of recognize that it forced them to kind of stop and be home. And it's weird <laughs> that people are kind of saying things like, I'm a little bit grateful that I got to spend so much time at home with my kids during the pandemic. 
No, I didn't stop. You know, um, my kids, <laughs> they get sick of me pretty quick. You know, when I'm just sitting here at home, I get restless, you know, I like to work, you know, I worked through the whole pandemic doing odd jobs. Like, you know, phlebotomy was just one of them. Um, I just, I couldn't stand sitting at home. I, I worked and then I'd come home and I, I practice, you know, I'd be singing and, you know, I just, uh, I just kept myself busy because I didn't want to go crazy. When you and I started talking, um, off mic, it came up that both of us have our dogs in the room. I want you to blame this question on geezer Butler. I call it the geezer question because this is my, this is my baby. Oh. He's my baby. This is Lion. He's a baby. Lion? Yes, he's so beautiful. Oh my God, he's got he has one, two different colored one blue eyes. eyes. He's got one blue eye like Bowie. He's just snapping, so he's little. He's a baby, though. He's only like two years old, a little over two years old. What kind of he's a dog awesome. is he? King Charles Cavalier. They're the best dogs. Hold on. Oh, look at you. This You're is Wednesday. Cutie. What's up, Wednesday? Beautiful. She. We has, have friends that have those. Oh, that have pugs? I'm a crazy yep. pug person. Yep. A lot of musicians yep. have them. Rob Zombie yeah. has a pug. Yeah, they're great. Great dogs. Oh, wow. I love all. I love dogs, just period. I'm such a dog guy, you know? Like, I was telling my son, he goes, like, what are you going to do, like, you know? later like are we ever going to retire and i go if i retire i'm gonna i'm going to um move to the country and i'm gonna get um i want to start like you know animal rescue joint where it's just all dogs and just have like loads of dogs you know i've be fun it's funny the way that the algorithms work on social media because i just get sent all these dog videos now because i can't stop (laughs) watching them yeah i know it's great well uh Carrie, I am like, I'm, I totally am sorry, but I have to go get my daughter from, a, she's getting, she's at the dermatologist right now and I have to pick her up. You're apologizing because you got to go do dad stuff, Josh, really? <laughs> I got to do dad stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go do dad stuff. It was so good to see you. Thank yeah, you for hanging you. out with me. And the new album, Volume 10, comes out on June 2nd. Cannot wait to hear it. Just take the day off and go to the record store because... There's okay. a lot of great work. Always a out. pleasure. Always a pleasure seeing you. You too. You know, thank you for having me. And um, and I'll, I'll see you probably uh, later on in the year. Right? Oh, you will. Maybe, I wanted, maybe on one of these shows. Get out to the rock show. Absolutely. All right, Josh. We'll All see right. you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. There he is, the one and only Josh Todd from Buck Cherry. The band's 10th studio album, Volume 10, comes out this Friday, June 2nd. If you're looking for Josh Todd and the band, you can find all of their links in the show notes of this episode. You'll also find all the Mistress Carrie links and the link to this episode's corresponding playlist that's packed with Josh Todd music, Buck Cherry music, and all the artists and songs that we referenced in the interview. Catch the band out on the road on the Gangs All Here tour with Skid Row. New England dates include Sunday, September 10th at the Lynn Auditorium and Tuesday, September 12th at the State Theater in Portland, Maine. Tickets for both shows are available now. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, plus every weekday you get the sit rep with all of your rock news, music headlines, and entertainment updates boiled down to about five minutes. You can join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my official Facebook page, 
from my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And you can always find me on the radio on the Mistress Carrie Show. Get the details on all that and more at MistressCarrie.com. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.